hello and welcome back to Everlasting Fruit. Glad you're here. If this is your first time, thank you for tuning in. So in the last two episodes, we talked about seeking God and always going to the Lord in all situations. Not when we don't have or have hit rock bottom, but all the time. It's always good to reflect on how to grow in our relationship with God. The Bible has many illustrations of people seeking him and just studying the gospels will reveal to you that Jesus also sought the Lord daily and frequently. But what does seeking God look like? Why do we as Christians stress the importance of seeking the Lord? Well, stick around so that we can look at what the Bible has to say about it. You're listening to Everlasting Fruit with B. Charles. The purpose of this podcast is to encourage you to seek God daily. It's about learning to be intentional in our walk with the Lord by remaining rooted in Christ. It's about reading to know and love God's word. It's about producing fruit that brings glory to God. It's a journey of growth and everlasting fruitfulness. Join me weekly so that together we can draw encouragement from the word of God. I pray that the Lord will use this podcast to move you to seek Him daily for every day and for every area of your lives. Let's get into it. So right off the bat, I just want to put a disclaimer out there in that I do not read just a verse when I am reading the Bible. I tend to be nosy with the Bible. Trust me, it's a good thing here. I like to read the whole chapter with the intention of reading the whole book. So to put it simply, I read the Bible chapters at a time, book at a time until the end. However, I do return to verses in chapters and study them further if I find that there are commands, there are instructions. If I find correction and rebuke, I will study further to find out the five whys, who, what, where, when, why, and also how, as in how to apply the scripture to my life. Sometimes the whole chapter breaks me apart and I just want to dig deeper. So I find this way of reading and studying scripture kills two birds with one stone. I read with the intention to study. So when we read, we get the whole picture and learn the stories. But when we study, we gain deeper knowledge and understanding. So both are required in our spiritual growth. So one of my favorite verses about seeking God is Jeremiah 29 verse 13, and I covered that in um, episode one. So in Jeremiah 29 verses 13, it states, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I love that without studying this verse further, we have a solution to your problem. Problem number one is that people are not seeking God. Problem number two is that the heart is not sincere when seeking God. And then the solution is that God will be found when we look for him, when we seek him. However, the issue at hand is our heart. So then we must ask questions. Who is God talking to? Why is he saying this to them? What happened before this that led to this admonition? If we just take this verse and dip, we won't know. So let's look at the whole story. 
So the book of Jeremiah is about God's judgment on unrepentant Judah. We see in Jeremiah 1 verses 3 that Jeremiah was a prophet whom God had called in the times of King Josiah, Jehoiakim, and Zedekiah. If you read, um, you know, the kings, you will find out that there are other kings um, that came after Josiah as well who are not mentioned here. But until, um, but this happened until they were taken into captivity. We can go back to the beginning and see how the Israelites lived a life of disobedience and sin from the time that, you know, um, he saved them from Judah. Actually, even just from the beginning, we can see how mankind was uh, disobedient to the Lord um, repeatedly and continuously. And the Lord is always ready to save us, is always there to bring us back to him. So they went after foreign gods and worshiped them. Then when God let their enemies deal with them and the going got tough, they cried out to him and he was there to rescue them over and over again. So to get a good grasp of what was happening during this time, like I said, read First and Second Kings and the Chronicles. You will get an in-depth picture of all the kings that came before the ones mentioned here as well as during their times. Um, but honestly, starting from the beginning will bring you up until this point. So either way, it works. One thing to note here is that Jeremiah was sent to warn the kings of Judah. So fun fact, did you know that the kingdom of Israel split into two after King Solomon? Israel to the north and Judah to the south. And you can find this in 1 Kings 11 verses 11 to 13. Find out why and thank Solomon. <laughs> Do you see why I say once you start getting into the word, it deepens your hunger to know more. There is so much and we haven't even scratched the surface. Anyway, God called Jeremiah to warn the kingdom of Judah of their coming captivity to Babylon. So it didn't happen yet. He was warning them in advance because they were totally wicked and rejected God and his ways and followed worthless idols. By the way, Israel fell first to the Assyrians for the same thing. And Jeremiah was warning Judah at this point for a period of 40 years. And we know this when God called Jeremiah, it was, you know, so amazing. You know, I have known you even before you were born. I knew you even before you were even conceived, of course, because he is our God and he knows everything about us. So, you know, even then he was telling him, I have appointed you. Little did Jeremiah know what he was appointed for. So we get to see in Jeremiah that the life of a prophet was not easy. Nowadays, people who call themselves prophets get a large following because people are too lazy to read their Bible and find out what God, God's word says. These days, that so-called title comes with glamour. But for Jeremiah, it was nowhere close to glamorous. First of all, God told him not to marry. In all honesty, with all the things he endured, it was for his best. In the process of his in, in the process of his obedience to declare God's word, his family turned against him. He was whipped. He was arrested. He was attacked by mobs. He was threatened by the king. He was ridiculed. He was beaten. He was imprisoned. He was also accused of treason. He was thrown into a well even. And of course, 
because Judah went into captivity, he also went into captivity as well. He went through all this to warn them so that they could repent. Did they listen? No. He urged them to worship God wholeheartedly rather than just putting up a show of religious acts. He called them to repent of their sin so that they may be restored to the Lord. But they didn't heed his warning. History alone will tell you that they didn't. Duh, mankind has been in rebellion against God since the beginning. Far less talk of, you know, after Egypt. And there are consequences to disobedience and sin. And there's there's always you know, a way for us to get back to the Lord. But when we are in constant disobedience, the Lord will let us suffer the consequences. And that is why they were taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar. Honestly, I feel like shaking them sometimes because when you read this, it's like over and over and over again, especially if you're reading the, you know, the books of first and second Kings, you will read how God saves them. And, you know, they try to live righteously for a while and then they go right back into it. And then, you know, they go back right back into, you know, worshiping idols. And then, you know, calamity strikes and then they cry out to the Lord and he saves them and the same thing happens. And honestly, it makes me feel like shaking them and screaming in their ears. Like, have you forgotten so soon what God has done for you? But we, we're all guilty of that. We are so far gone in our lawlessness that only Jesus, God himself could save us. God loves us so much. Even when we deserve his wrath, he makes a way to bring us out of it. God reminded his people that even though they were going into captivity due to their disobedience and not heeding his warning through Jeremiah, he had an ultimate plan for them. They would be helped They'll be held captive for the long haul of about 70 years. So he prepared them by telling them to settle themselves down in the land where they were taken captive. Because it was going to be a long ride, they were told to settle down. Hey, you're going to be there for a long time. Actually, this consequence is going to last for about 70 years. So sit tight. So why was he telling them this? Um, You know, in some chapters, you will find that because there were false prophets that were coming around, specifically Hananiah, who was lying to the people that the exile would be short. So God needed to remind them and say, hey, I know you're thinking as if, you know, oh, you know what? This is going to be just a couple of years. No, this is for the long haul. And what whatever you've been told is not true. Listen to Jeremiah. I sent him and you're going to be there for the long time. So would you imagine that, that after turning their backs on God, he was still looking out for them. And that's when Jeremiah 29 verse 11 comes in. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. So God is reassuring them that, hey, even though you deserve this, I warned you for years and you didn't listen. 
I am not abandoning you. I know what I have planned for you and it is for your own good. So it's not just a story of doom. It demonstrates God's faithfulness that even when we fall, God's grace still covers us. Even when we're suffering for our disobedience, God has a plan for our salvation and we can place our hope in him. So in Jeremiah 29 verses 12 to 13, when it states, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God is near to us when we call to him, no matter how low we have fallen, no matter how long it took for us to start seeking him. He still wants us to seek him with the right motives and the right intentions because God looks at our hearts. He judges the motives of our hearts. He wants us to be true in seeking him and not just for show. So in seeking, we will find because our whole hearts are set on finding what we search for, which is God. But don't wait to seek him only when you're being chastised. Call upon him now. Pray now. Seek him now. Seek for him now. And what does that look like today? We have the Bible that is the inspired word of God, and it gives us accounts of who God is, what he has done for us, and what he expects from us. In 2 Timothy verses 3, 16, it states that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So scripture is used to instruct people about God. If you want to know more of God, read your Bible. John Piper once stated, if you want to hear God speak, read your Bible out loud, literally. (laughs) Then scripture is used to... Um, it's, it, scripture is also used to expose a sin, and that is reproof or rebuke. After exposing the sin, there needs to be correction. Because if there is no correction, people will just continue on sinning. They'll continue on in their lawlessness. So once the correction has been made, we can't just stop there. We follow up with training in righteousness so that we may live in obedience to God. So we may live in a way that pleases the Lord. So we seek the Lord through prayer, which are intimate conversations with God where we bear our hearts to him. In prayer, we submit ourselves to him that his will, not ours. Because sometimes we'd be praying for people to die. Thank God that only his plans are established. So have mercy on us, Lord. But our prayers can be so selfish. We seek him through the reading of the Bible. We don't just stop at reading the Bible. We need to reflect on what we're reading and let it sink in. And that's called meditation. In Joshua 1 verse 8, it states that we must meditate on the word of God day and night. That is to spend time reading reflecting on what we read, thinking about its application and applying it, keeping it in mind continually. And we do this by rehearsing the passages again so that we can reflect on it some more. I've heard of people who have read the Bible multiple times and each time they read it, they learn something new. This is true. And I can testify to that. 
Further, we study the word to show ourselves approved. First Peter 3 verse 15 instructs that, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. We study the Bible so that we may be equipped to defend it in gentleness and respectfully. We defend it with gentleness. We're not rash in our defense, but with gentleness and with, with respect so that others who are curious about our faith may know the reason why we believe, why we hold true to our faith, while we're so radical about it. We also study so that we may rightly divide the word of truth. We need to know the truth so that we may teach it correctly. Though, keep 1 Corinthians 1 verses 18 in mind, because it states, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. In that even after dividing the word of truth and making a defense for it to those that are curious about it, many will still think you are a fool for believing in Jesus. And some may want to continue in fruitless arguments, and you don't need to engage in that. But of course, we still need to know the reasons why we believe what we believe and be able to defend it. Lastly, it doesn't stop with us. We study to be equipped to teach others. So we pray, read the word, meditate on the word, study it further, and pray again. And with growth, you can go and make disciples of all nations. So to tie it all in, why is it important to seek God? Well, so that we can find him. Finding God is tied to finding ourselves. He knows the plans he has planned for our lives. So if we want to know that plan, we need to seek him faithfully. We seek God because he is God and we can do nothing without him. I know some will say, well, I don't believe in God and I'm doing a lot without God. I will leave you with a commentary on John 15 verses 5, where Jesus told his disciples that they couldn't do anything without him. So David Guzik wrote, It isn't that the disciples could do no activity without Jesus. They could be active without him, as were the enemies of Jesus and many others. Yet, they and we could do nothing of real eternal value without Jesus. So we've reached the end of this episode and my prayer is that you are blessed by it and that you may grow in your relationship with the Lord, that you may commit to a plan of reading the Bible daily and be disciplined in it to learn more about God and discover his truth. Have a wonderful time. May God bless you. Please don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and review. I look forward to reading all of them. And don't forget to share the encouragement with your friends and family. Also, 
make sure to connect with me on Instagram at Everlasting Fruit Podcast, or you could shoot me an email at everlasting.fruit8 at gmail.com. That's everlasting.fruit8 at gmail.com. Until the next time, God bless. Hey.